Last week, at the very end of the episode, I was hyping this up, and I'm so glad it worked out. We are here with my man, Brian Bolster from Bolstered Up Sports. Brian, how are you doing, my man? I'm great, Alex. I'm so excited to be on your show. I've been waiting for this debate for a long time, so I'm glad that we can make it happen. I appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely, man. One of my favorite guys to talk sports with, an incredibly knowledgeable guy, Brian, tell my listeners, before we jump right into it, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah, I'm a high school teacher and football coach. I've been coaching sports really as long as I can. The second I joined college, I immediately started coaching the middle school football. I've coached baseball at a couple different levels. And then high school football, I absolutely love it. It's my passion. As a teacher, I'm teaching special education. So I just love teaching and growing young people. I believe there's so much untapped potential out there. So I enjoy it every day. It gives me purpose as well as sports, man. And sports are the greatest place in my mind to face adversity and grow from that and become better young men and women. Absolutely, man. As a former basketball player, even though I was always angry at myself for messing up, I really enjoyed my time, man. And and really, it provides a different insight having a football coach on here, man, because you see the little things that us just couch fans don't see. Like, I've never played a snap of football in my life, and I think I know something. But then you come in talking about all this other crazy stuff, and I'm just like, man, I don't know Jack. So really appreciate you, man. Really appreciate your insight. But let's go ahead and get into the whole reason I brought you on here, man. You and I have a lot of disagreements, respectful disagreements, of course. But I think there is none bigger that we have than our opinion on the New York Jets quarterback, Sam Donald. As a Jets fan, I have watched Sam Donald the past three seasons, and I have not been impressed with what I have seen, but everyone on my show list knows that. Just go ahead. Everybody knows my opinion on Donald, like I just said. Give my listeners a little insight on what you see out of Sam Donald. Sam Donald is an extremely talented, extremely young quarterback. He has a lot of promise. I still believe that his upside is tremendous. However, I do have to say I have been disappointed in the growth or lack thereof over the past couple seasons. But I'm telling you, I'm a big USC fan, USC Trojans. Him at Southern Cal was amazing. I don't think people realize what he did unless you watched every game. His college career is far better than the stats can say. And he has all of the tools, one being the – leadership and intangibles I think he does have the correct mentality I know you feel quite a bit differently but I think everybody would agree physical talent he's got it I think he's been put in the worst situation in modern football history like it's bad you'd have to go back to 
at least like early, early 2000s Lions teams, I think, to even get something comparable. So I'm hoping they'll get another chance, whether it's with your Jets or another team, but just an actual chance with a confident head coach, confident scheme, and supporting cast. I think he's still got a lot of good football ahead of him. And I can understand that, man, but as a New York Jets fan, you mentioned the USC thing. I still got a little PTSD of Mark Sanchez, man. I had to grow up with the butt fumble being at its peak. That was some of the worst days of my life in terms of school. Oh, my God. People will still never let me forget that the butt fumble happened. I'm trying to forget it, but even I can't because of people reminding me of it. But And I see some of the upside with Sam Donald. He makes some good plays and all that kind of stuff. And I do understand also the situation's not great. Of course, you have cokehead Adam Gase as your coach for two years. You have a very, very bad receiving core, not a good O-line, and an aged Le'Veon Bell, not really what he used to be with Pittsburgh. Part of that to blame with the offensive line, but part of that due to just regression. But I think I also have to say that the regression from Sam Darnold, where he should be progressing, can't go unnoticed. But like you said, there's a lot of things that go into that. But that's a debate for another time. I brought you on this show today because I had a fun thing that I think we could do. So Sam Darnold, it is a possibility that he could be the Jets quarterback of 2021 with new head coach Robert Sala. It also is a possibility that the New York Jets could trade him to get more picks or even possibly could be involved in a trade where the Jets could land Deshaun Watson. But either way, Sam Darnold, I think, will probably get one more shot at another place. So you have compiled a list of other quarterbacks in the NFL that you think are kind of on that same level, same path as Sam Darnold. You have given me that list. I have gone through, and you're going to ask me the simple question. Would I take Sam Donald or would I take the competition? So let's just go ahead, jump into the list. Who's the first name you got? All right. The first one on who would you rather have is Sam Donald or Dwayne Haskins. And you better answer this one correctly. <laughs> this one was interesting when I went through it. If you asked me at the beginning of the season, I probably would have said Haskins. Because I thought with Dwayne Haskins coming out of Ohio State, I thought he was a very raw talent, but he had potential. But now that we, I've seen him again with Ron Rivera, who I thought was going to help him progress, I just saw nothing but more regression from Dwayne Haskins. I mean, through his career, 12 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, completing 60.1% of his passes compared to Sam Darnold's 59. But Haskins is 3-10 as a starter. Haskins just isn't been good. Could change in Pittsburgh, but to probably your joyful ears, I will say when it comes down to picking Haskins or Darnold, I would take Sam Darnold, primarily because I think Sam Darnold's talent, like you mentioned, his physical traits are there. It's just the mechanics that I'm worried that I really don't like with Darnold, but the talent is there for Darnold. I think it's there. And Sam Darnold is just more complete like like I mentioned Dwayne Haskins was a very raw talent coming out of Ohio State I thought he should have stayed an extra year to develop more but he didn't so I would take Sam Donald over Dwayne Haskins all right that's the good answer there I mean we've (laughs) got to include the intangibles I think in that I mean I'm not calling Sam Donald Tom Brady although he is the future goat but I think relative to Dwayne Haskins (laughs) <laughs> he definitely exceeds him in that area where I think he is putting football first. All right, the next one, fellow New York quarterback. 
Danny Dimes, or as I call him, Danny Dumps. Who you got? <laughs> I love that. I love it. Danny Dumps. That's actually really, really good. Um, I haven't heard that one. I'm pretty sure you've probably said it before. I just never caught it, but that that's a good one. I give you credit for that. This one was also interesting. Um, Daniel Jones, I like. I didn't like him as much coming out of college. So I thought as a six overall pick, I thought that was a bit of a reach. But watching Daniel Jones play, this guy's got potential. I mean, the only issue I really have with Daniel Jones is because he's got good size. He's got athleticism as the thing. I did not expect that coming out of Duke. He can move pretty well, minus when he trips over his own feet against the Philadelphia Eagles. That was freaking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that made me just... I could not believe what I just saw when I happened. But with Daniel Jones, he has been solid. 35 touchdown passes, 22 interceptions, and an 8-18 record. The record doesn't really stand out, but then again, it's the New York Giants. They are a complete mess in terms of their roster. But I have to take Daniel Jones over Sam Donald because Daniel Jones, I believe the biggest issue with him right now is his lack of aggressiveness. He is a very conservative player. He would rather take the check down than take the deep shot risky throw, which isn't all in all that bad of a trait, but there's got to be moments where you got to be able to say, all right, I trust my receiver to make a play here. Let's go ahead and throw it up to Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton, guys who can make one-on-one good catches, not necessarily on an elite level, but make could catch a 50-50 ball on occasion. I have to take, and especially with the mechanics, I really like how Daniel Jones handles himself in the pocket. I have to take Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold. Ah, that hurts my heart. That really hurts my heart. <laughs> Alex, you're talking about a guy that was on pace with Ryan Leaf, like record amounts of turnovers. And I would argue not that the Giants roster is good, but that they've had better receivers for him, better running backs, probably better tight ends. I'm not the biggest Evan Ingram fan, but I think he's been supported by a much better cast. I know he's already undergone a coaching change as well. But man, that hurts me. That makes me scared to hear the rest of this list. We'll keep it moving. Drew Locke or Sam Darnold? This one was quick and easy for me, and I don't think you're going to like this answer, but I'm going to take Drew Locke in this one pretty easily. I was a huge as a Florida Gators fan, as you very well know, I watched plenty of Drew Locke just torch Jim McElwain's secondary the first couple of years he was at Mizzou. This dude has a cannon of an arm. I absolutely adore Drew Locke. He has the moxie of a starting quarterback. He is 8-10 and 10 in his career. He was 4-1 and one when he first got the start, the one loss to the Chiefs, a very respectful defeat. 23 touchdowns, 18 picks. completion percentage, pretty much on pace with Sam Darnold's 59. Locke has up is much bigger than Sam Darnold. I think Locke is about 6'5". Sam Darnold's about 6'2", 6'3", probably more 6'3". And again, the mechanics, like I mentioned, Drew Locke, he's got the arm. It's a quick release. He's poised in the pocket. He knows when to scramble and when to just, in all opinion, just throw the ball away. That's something Sam Darnold just doesn't have. I'm going to take Drew Locke over Darnold. Man, see, I kind of think that Drew Locke and Sam Darnold have similar issues. I just think Sam Darnold can bring a little bit more to the table in terms of mobility. I think he's more of a playmaker. I know we've seen some of the bad plays as well, but I really think that Sam Darnold has 
just more upside than Drew Locke, in my opinion. Drew Locke's been a guy that throws a lot of turnovers as well. Yards per attempt for them is pretty similar. Um, and again, I would argue that, that Drew Locke has been in a much better situation. But, I mean, I respect your opinion. I understand that the outlook for Sam Darnold as we speak is at its lowest. <laughs> so I understand that completely. All right. Now we're going to kind of flip it and get away from some of those super young quarterbacks. Would you, at this very moment, rather have Sam Darnold or Cam Newton as your starting quarterback? The key word there you said is at this moment. If you're asking in terms of career, Newton easy so far with terms of career. I mean, Cam Newton, 173, 61, and 1. 198 touchdowns, surprising 118 picks. I thought that number was going to be a lot lower, but I guess he's more known as a mobile quarterback. 60% of his complete, 60% completion percentage, over 31,000 yards passing. But as you said, right now at this moment, I'm going to take Sam Donald because Cam Newton, he's a he's not exactly young. He's pushing over 30 now. I think. I think he's in his 30s or his early 30s. And Sam Donald, although he has had injuries, they have not been shoulder injuries on his throwing arm like Cam Newton suffered a couple of years ago. Sam Donald's stuff has been, he got sick. He got mono, I think, his second year in the NFL. He's had some, he's had some arm problems, shoulder problems, but they haven't been bad shoulder problems like where he needs surgery to fix them. So right now, as it stands, I would take Sam Donald over Cam Newton, honestly, by a mile. Hey, there we go. Now now I'm liking some of these answers. I'm liking this game a little bit more. I mean, I think you were kind to Cam Newton, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> he arguably arguably played the worst out of any quarterback in the league, definitely in terms of just passing the football. The man was out there skipping rocks. Anything outside of 10 yards, it was an absolute misfire. So, all right, I'm glad we can agree on one. Let's stick with another veteran quarterback, been up and down, Sam Darnold or Jameis Winston. This is a really interesting one, in my opinion. Again, as a Gators fan, I had to suffer through watching Jameis Winston just torture our secondary. Jameis Winston has talent. Now, he came into, like you mentioned, a rough situation, Tampa Bay known as a losing franchise, the Jets known as a losing franchise. But he made decent with it. Now, he went 28-42 and 42 in his, in so far as a starting quarterback. 121 touchdown passes and 88 interceptions, 61.4 completion percentage, 19,812 yards passing. Now, you are going to hate me for saying this, but I would take Jameis Winston over Sam Darnold. I can't wait to hear a reaction to this here in a second, but let me explain myself. I like a big quarterback, and Jameis Winston is that. He's a big guy with a big arm. I think that it's just what you need to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. You need to have size to be able to take some pressure in the pocket, and you got to have an arm to reach some of those big playmakers downfield. Jameis Winston's got that. Now, I know the primary argument is going to be Jameis Winston's infamous 5,000-yard passing season with 30 interceptions. That was possibly the most crazy stat line ever to where if he cut those interceptions down by like half, we're talking possibly like an MVP-type year for Jameis that year. But then the news came out, the dude was playing half freaking blind and had to get LASIK eye surgery. So I think he kind of gets a little bit of a pass from me there. Still doesn't excuse how you throw, throw 30 interceptions. I don't think that any excuse can be good enough to completely negate that terrible of a season. But Jameis Winston is also mobile. 
too. I think a little bit more mobile than Sam Darnold. And I think he may be a little bit better of a playmaker than Sam Darnold, too. He's made some athletic, very, very surprising throws throughout his career in Tampa Bay. Primarily didn't play a lot with the Saints this year. But as crazy as it sounds to you, I'm going to take Jameis Winston. Man, that does sound crazy to me. Jameis Winston <laughs> is the only member of the 30-30 club. 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. He's a legend. I see where you're coming from. He, he's a talented quarterback, and he is still young. I think he has maybe more pure arm talent than Sam Darnold, but I don't think he's more mobile. I don't think he's more of a playmaker. And he's turning the ball over more than Sam Darnold is. I just, you know, I heard the whole blind thing, playing blind before, but I don't quite buy that being the reason. I mean, we can't just completely bypass the fact that he got signed by the Saints and they passed him up to start Taysom Hill. I think that's an indictment on Jameis Winston if Sean Payton feels that way about him. I think if he felt like, okay, we can trust this guy, we're going to put him in our system, a more conservative system, not ask him to do too much because he's a young, talented player and give him another shot, see what we have potentially moving into next season. And they didn't do that. So to me, that says same old Jameis Winston, and I would be given a hard pass on entering the 30-30 club. (laughs) I understand, man. I understand. And like I said, I'm not fully just giving Jameis a pass for throwing 30 interceptions in a season because he had LASIK eye surgery after. There's no way I can do that without keeping a straight face. There's no way I could do that. There's simply just no excuse for letting that happen. I mean, come on. Now, how how bad do you have to be to throw not only 5,000 yards passing, but then throw 30 picks with it. I mean, come on now. Like, you could have a good season if he just didn't throw to the wrong jersey. Like, it's so there's no excuse for Jameis for that. But I think with the Taysom Hill argument, I think Taysom Hill has just been in New Orleans longer. He's proven himself longer. He's developed in the system longer. This is Jameis' first year in New Orleans. And we could be talking about next season, Jameis Winston maybe being their starting quarterback if he moves in with the system that – Sean Payton has in place. So I think it's a little early to be saying they passed him up for Taysom Hill, a guy who's been in that system for a couple of years now. But I understand the take, 100% respect it. But I'm just going to take, I'm going to take Mr. Crab Legs, Jameis Winston over go seeing Sam Darnold. It'll definitely be interesting to see what kind of opportunity he gets this year. But I think it's important to note that that 30 interceptions was no fluke. It was not bad luck. It was not tipped passes. He had by far the most turnover-worthy plays, I think close to 50. So, (laughs) I don't know. We will see. Again, he is a talented player who could potentially turn it around. All right. Minshew Mania, the mustache, or Sam Darnold? (laughs) This one just made me laugh, man. This one just made me laugh. Basically, telling me, am I going to take a Ghostbuster seeing ghosts or Uncle Rico throwing the ball over the mountain, man? Like, this is like... (laughs) Hollywood mashup here, man. And um, both of them are kind of similar, in my opinion. Similar as where I think they're both good backups. Um, Gardner Minshew, through his short career, he's won seven out of thirty. He's won he's seven and 13. 37 touchdowns and 11 interceptions with a 62.7 completion percentage. Almost 6,000 yards passing. Actually, more like 5,500 yards passing. But I'm actually going to take Minshew over Darnold. I think Minshew is less mistake prone. He doesn't make those questionable, like what in the hell are you doing kind of throws that Sam Darnold does. 
Now, virtue of that is because kind of the offense that Doug Marone ran, he was more of a power-running type player. Gardner Minshew did not throw it a ton. But when he's out there, he's efficient. Like, he's a solid quarterback. And I understand that he's in Jacksonville and Donald's in New York. Like, two quarterbacks in terrible situations. But not only that, with the less mistake-prone, how can you not take a guy with that great of hair? I mean, come on now, man. If I want a poster up with my quarterback on it, I want a guy with those luscious locks that Gardner Minshew's got over the California boy out of his out of his way in New York City. So I'm going to take Gardner Minshew. <laughs> well, I think, you know, maybe the lovely locks is why the Jacksonville Jaguars might be moving on from Gardner Minshew and upgrading to Sunshine <laughs> himself and Trevor Lawrence. That'll be interesting to see. I would bet that they do that. I don't think that's, I think that's what everybody's expecting them to do. And I think most people would agree that's at least an upgrade in terms of hairdo, but I don't think Trevor Lawrence can quite grow the mustache just like Minshew Mania can himself. Would love to see that though. Could you imagine Trevor Lawrence with like a blonde handlebar mustache? I'm like, oh my God in heaven, some sort of. Some sort of Greek god, man. Like, oh my <laughs> lord in heaven. That's slightly horrifying, but slightly dreamy at the same time. <laughs> it would be epic if he actually did that. I don't know if the man can grow one little hair out of his chin, I don't know if he can that either, would be honestly. Hilarious. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Again, this is one that you better answer correctly. I'm putting the pressure on. Are you going to go with the future goat, Sam Darnold, or... Trash can Trubisky. This one I was kind of hoping you'd give me a third option because I don't like either of them, but between the two, I'm definitely going to take Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, like you mentioned, has the physical tools to do it. He just needs to fix the mechanics and put it together, and maybe he could turn what, what's going on with his career so far around. There is only one thing that's redeeming in Mitchell Trubisky, and that that he is slightly mobile, that he has some mobility. That is all. Mitchell Trubisky has in his favor. I mean, he, you want to talk about busts. I think Sam Donald is probably the biggest bust of his draft. You could argue Josh Rosen, but I don't think Josh Rosen's really been given a fair shake yet in the NFL. But Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears trade up one pick to draft him. The pick they traded up to get was for the 49ers, who weren't going to take him anyway. You could have easily gotten Trubisky at three, but no, you trade up so you trade up one pick, and you trade so much away for that. For Mitchell Trubitsky, who has not been anything close to a second overall pick throughout his career. So that one is super easy for me. I'm taking Sam Darnold. I will even call him the future GOAT when compared to Mitchell Trubitsky. God almighty, man. <laughs> All right, I'm glad. I'm glad that you went the right way. With that one, I was getting a little nervous, but I'm glad that you came to your senses because, like I say, everybody knows fade Trubisky. You do not want Trubisky on your team. I don't care what's happened for three quarters. He's coming in clutch with a fourth quarter interception to lose the game. We've just seen it far too often. All right, and I've got one more quarterback to compare Darnold to. Teddy Two Gloves, starting down here in North Carolina with the Panthers. Would you rather have... Two gloves or Sam Darnold? This was actually really interesting because when the Jets drafted Sam Darnold at three, the backup quarterbacks were Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. 
And I was at a really easy point at that time. Because even coming out of USC, I was not a fan of Sam Darnold. I saw way too many turnover issues out of USC for me to say he'd be a good quarterback. So I personally wanted the Jets with that third overall pick. I like that they traded up with the Colts to get that third overall pick. But what I wanted them to do was draft Quinnen Nelson, the guard out of Notre Dame, who is now an Indianapolis Colt. Could you imagine right now, even if they had Sam Donald, it wouldn't be logical because they drafted Sam Donald with the third overall pick. But just think about how different things could be if protecting Sam Donald's blindside was Makai Becton, who looks like a home run hit as the 11th pick in last year's draft, and Quinnen Nelson, possibly the best interior guard in the NFL. Oh my lord, Sam Donald could maybe get some stuff done with that. But in the end... I wanted Teddy Two Gloves as the starter that year for the Jets. I wanted Donald to either A, not get drafted by the Jets at all, or B, if we did draft him, wait a year and develop his skill set. So I would actually still take Teddy Bridgewater over Sam Donald. Teddy Bridgewater has been solid throughout his career. 26 and 23 quarterback record, 53 touchdowns, 36 interceptions with a 66.5 completion percentage. That is pretty good. He was on pace to become a really good quarterback, but then, of course, the horrific leg injury that nearly had to have his leg amputated off, like, that was horrific, and that really stopped his progression. Now, he was by no means lights out this season for the Carolina Panthers, but I think he was better than expected because the Panthers don't exactly have an elite wide receiving core. Robbie Anderson was kind of, was is still a good player, but he was primarily known for just running deep. That's what he was best at with the Jets, and I thought that's all he was going to bring, really, to Carolina. DJ Moore is a solid guy, a little undersized. Curtis Samuel, kind of the same deal. But I think Teddy Bridgewater, without having Christian McCaffrey, who is the Carolina Panthers, without having him for almost the entire season, he did okay. So I would definitely take Teddy Bridgewater over Sam Donald as my starting quarterback. Oh, man. Teddy Two Gloves has a straight-up pea shooter. How could you take Teddy Two Gloves over the future GOAT? I mean... (laughs) Oh, that one hurt. That one hurt. I thought that was a layup. I wasn't even putting pressure on because I thought it was just a layup. Sam Darnold is just 23 years old. I'm telling you. I've got to bring this up. I'm telling you. If he was with the Cleveland Browns this year, he would have been really good. I am 100% confident in that. And before you give me too much pushback on that. Let's not forget how we felt about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold coming into the season. I know you were probably still lower on Sam Darnold than I was, but without a doubt, objectively, Sam Darnold was much better than Baker Mayfield was last season. And again, I would argue in a worse situation. Baker Mayfield was arguably the worst quarterback in the league from 2019. He turned it around with a great supporting cast and a great head coach setting him up to succeed. I mean, I'm not crazy for thinking that, right? That Sam Darnold would have done really well with the Cleveland Browns this year? Not necessarily crazy. Um, I definitely see where you're going with it. I understand it. That receiving core is great. But you have to un- you have to kind of give some credit to Baker Mayfield. I know you're not a Baker fan. I understand it. We're going to talk about more on this in a little bit. But I understand you're not a big Baker fan, but you got to give the dude some credit. The dude went from becoming a turnover machine, a massive sophomore slump, to having his awful head coach, Freddie Kitchens, fired, to having a third head coach in three seasons, to turning it around and being, being good enough to where the Browns made the playoffs for the first time since I was a one-year-old. I mean, you got to give 
some credit to Baker Mayfield for turning for progressing in his third season. No doubt. He gets credit. He performed well. He played pretty good football this season and definitely gets credit for bouncing back because things were looking bleak in Cleveland for Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, his job really was on the line. He honestly didn't start out this season playing very well, but definitely give him credit. And he gets a portion of the credit for the winning as well. That's a culture thing. The quarterback, everybody looks to to lead. And so he gets some credit for that. Don't get me wrong. But I think Sam Darnold has, without question, more talent. And again, I think coming into the year, he had played better. So I, I just don't see how Sam Darnold wouldn't have really succeeded in that offense. Stefanski does such a great job making things so easy on the quarterback. We've seen the similar success in similar offense with uh, Kirk Cousins, who had Stefanski, right? We've, uh, I believe, even Case Keenum, his 33 touchdown, seven interception season was with uh, Stefanski, I believe, up there in Minnesota. So, again, credit to Baker. He played pretty good football. I just think we're being a little too unfair to some of these young quarterbacks. I'll include more than Sam Darnold. But when we don't quite account for situation. But again, at the end of the day, the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. And at some point, if you want to make it and you want to continue to start games as a quarterback, you've got to overcome your circumstances. I get that. Yeah, that's 100% my take on Darnold, too. Like, I 100% get the situation has not been good, but he's 13-25 and in his career. And again, Adam Gase, awful weapons on offense. I understand that. But some point, the good, the great quarterbacks even, they separate themselves. Even when a situation is bad, they find ways to make it work. Sam Darnold wasn't doing that. But Joe Flacco, retirement home Flacco, was doing stuff with the same offensive weapons that Sam Darnold had that he didn't throw for more than, I think, one touchdown the entire season this year. I mean, Sam Darnold just was not good this year. He regressed. His mechanics are bad. Now, then again, again, you mentioned it throughout this entire us talking here. He's 23 years old, only a couple of years older than me. So I understand where Sam Darnold could get another chance with Robert Sala being the new head coach, kind of a culture changer, as you mentioned with Kevin Stefanski. I think Robert Sala can have that impact in New York, maybe not immediately, in terms of winning and record and all that, but I think he could change the culture there, make it a place where people want to go and play football. But with Darnold, if he doesn't turn it around after this year, if he doesn't look at least somewhat better, then they're going to look stupid for not taking a quarterback at two or trading the house for Deshaun Watson. So in my opinion, with that second pick the Jets have, if you're going to keep Darnold, get Penn swell. But if, if you're not confident enough in Sam Darnold, you got to take Zach Wilson, in my opinion, the quarterback at a BYU. That's interesting. See, to me, again, I have not dived into this. I have not broken down Zach Wilson film, honestly, as well as Trey Lance and some of the other guys. But I get major Mitch Trubisky vibes from Zach Wilson. Kind of a one-hit wonder that's all of a sudden shooting up the draft board. That just worries me a little bit. I mean, again, if you're the Jets organization and you're sold on one of these quarterbacks, you have to take it, right? You have to take a quarterback if you're sold on one of them. But to me, if there's any hesitation, you wait a year, 
again, Sam Darnold, when he's been protected, when there's been the slightest bit of a run game, he has performed well. I know at times Joe Flacco looked a little bit better this season. I I think that's more just taking deep shots. But let's not forget who won the games with the Jets, and that was Sam Darnold. Let's not completely forget that he went 6-2 and two to close the year with the Jets last year. So, again, I am completely conceding that he has not grown, really, I don't think, since day one in the NFL. I think this year you are right that he has regressed. He's picked up some bad habits, um, and he's had some poor games. But I think with a great coach, he can turn Sam Darnold around. But I completely agree with you that at this point, definitely, and who knows if he'll ever reach this point. But as far as being a great quarterback to elevate those around you, he obviously has not done that outside of the 6-2. and two. I still kind of want to give him a little credit for that. <laughs> I understand that. And again, Robert Sala, new head coach, a lot could change. Now, we're done with the Donald debate. I just want to get your opinion on something real quick, something super simple. It's set Super Bowl 55, Mahomes versus Brady, Bucks versus Chiefs. Who you got winning? Oh, man. Put me on the spot. I um, plan all along. I'm going with the Chiefs. And I'm going with the Chiefs. I might make a last second change on my pick, but that's what I felt. And I don't want to get, you know, changing my mind just because I'm feeling a little bit too much of the Brady buzz, you know. But I I think the Chiefs are the better team really all the way around. Patrick Mahomes seems absolutely unstoppable at this point. And their team speed should absolutely obliterate a poor secondary that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. Tampa Bay is playing at home <laughs> for the first time in, I think, NFL history, or at least modern NFL history, that a team is playing at home for the Super Bowl. So that's an interesting wrinkle. I never bet against Tom Brady, so I don't know what I'm going to do this game because I never bet against Tom Brady. But at the same time, it seems like Patrick Mahomes is kind of taken over as that guy. Like, you just can't bet against him. But I've got to bet on the game. So <laughs> maybe I'll bet. I, I mean, I think I'm going with the Chiefs at this point, but it does seem like Tampa Bay just has something special going. I don't know. What about you? Dude, I'm pretty sure just come game time, I'm going to grab a coin and flip it. Whoever it lands on, I'm just going to pick them, man. Like, I do not know. Like you mentioned, every time we doubt Brady, he's, he's winning another ring. Like, it's just so – it's A, annoying, and B, unbelievable what Tom Brady does. And, again, it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. He's just unbelievable. We did it all in the playoffs last year. They were down 10 every single game in the postseason, and Mahomes led them back to win the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just unbelievable what both guys are doing with Mahomes at such a young age and Brady at such an old age. So, really, man, I do not know who's going to win the Super Bowl, but we will certainly find out. Brian, host of the Bolster Up Sports podcast, tell my listeners where they can find your show. Yeah, you can find the Bolstered Up Sports Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. My podcast is available on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, really all the major platforms. I'm constantly putting out new videos, mainly NFL takes, but as the season comes to a close, I'll definitely be hitting on the NBA. I do have to promote my world-famous segment that 
will continue past the football season, and that is the Poopy Pants of the Week Award. That's going to be rolling. So those of you that I know are major fans of this world-famous segment, don't worry. It's going to continue past football season. That is literally – I look forward to that every week, dude. I've told you that so many times, but that is literally <laughs> my favorite part of every week, opening up Instagram and seeing that Bolstered Up Sports posted the Poopy Pants of the Week Award. Oh, my Lord. I'm still waiting for the day where one of my takes makes you choose me as the Poopy Pants of the Week Award when it becomes a cold take. I have a few. I know I do. I'm waiting for that day. I'm expecting it to come. Brian, my man, I look forward to doing this again. Thank you for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Let's move on to our next topic. In a year of hardship, turmoil, and everything in between, we finally know who is playing in the Super Bowl. It'll be Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Father Tom Brady himself. Now, next week will be the week I do a Super Bowl preview. May bring on another guest for it. We shall see. But that'll be next week. I want to recap real quick the AFC and NFC Championship games. I'm going to start with the AFC Championship game because I feel there's a little bit less to talk about with that one. I think we all pretty much knew going in that the Chiefs were the better football team, and that proved to be a fact. 38-24, the final score at Arrowhead. Josh Allen sacked four times, completed 28 passes on 48 attempts, 287 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Not necessarily great, but this just further proves that he needs help on that roster. I mean, Devin Singletary had six carries for 17 yards, averaging 2.8 yards a carry. Really? That's what you're going to do to help out basically a kid as your quarterback? That ain't right. That needs to change. It needs to change fast. Buffalo, if you want to become the team you have the potential to be, get Josh Allen some freaking help. Boaster up that offensive line and get yourself a running game because you ain't got it right now, and that ain't going to cut it against a powerhouse offense like the Kansas City Chiefs, which it was again that Patrick Mahomes, even on a hurt ankle, even just after concussion, he was just surgical. 29 of 38, 325 yards, and three touchdowns my goodness what a beast that man is kermit the frog of the nfl dominating throwing that pigskin around man miss piggy probably wouldn't like that but you know what i mean i'm in one of those moods i'm just gonna make random jokes (laughs) but yeah like i said not much talk about with this game because i think we all pretty much knew going in the chiefs were the better football team and it proved to be show on the other hand, this NFC Championship game is not so cut and dry. 31-26, the Bucks over the Packers. Tom Brady, 280 yards, three touchdowns, did have three picks on the day. Leonard Fournette was a bully running the ball, 12 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown was just mowing through defenders. Aaron Rodgers had a good day, 346 yards and three touchdowns. Only one interception was sacked five times. Didn't get much help for the run game. 
Aaron Jones had six carries for 27 yards. Not necessarily effective, but I primarily want to talk about Green Bay with this situation. Because what is there to say about Tampa Bay? It's Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does. He's playing in his 10th Super Bowl. It's just not fair that he is over 40 years old. I think he's, what, 43 now and he's still playing for Super Bowls? If there was still any debate in your mind that Tom Brady wasn't the GOAT, it should be done now because he is. He's the greatest of all time, no doubt whatsoever. But the guy that pops up a lot in that conversation is Aaron Rodgers. The conversation of greatest of all time. Now, if we're talking greatest talent of all time, that's a fair argument you can make. But greatest of all time, with one ring, eh-eh. And he didn't do himself favors in this game. How is that possible, you say, Alex? Had a good day. Over 300 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. Sacked five times. Sounds like it was more offensive line's fault. While it's not 100% on Aaron Rodgers, he didn't help. Like I said, Tom Brady threw three interceptions. Not one. Not two. But three. Three interceptions from Tom Brady. That doesn't happen a lot. That's why I'm emphasizing it. It doesn't happen. He does not do that a lot. After the first interception, Aaron Rodgers gets the ball back. They go three and out, and they punt. And the Packers force Brady into another interception. Aaron Rodgers goes back out there. Three and out. Punt. Brady gets intercepted for a third time. They get into the red zone, and then Aaron Rodgers throws it to Devontae Adams in coverage, I think, three times. And then they take a field goal attempt. Now, I've seen all over the place people putting blame in a lot of different places. Oh, well, the offensive line didn't protect Aaron. Sacked him five times. That ain't going to help. Aaron still had over 300 yards and three touchdowns. And David Bakhtiari, possibly the best pass-blocking tackle in the game today, was out with an injury. He's been out for a while. They're not blaming that. Oh, oh, they're going to blame the defense. They're going to blame the defense. They couldn't. Kevin King couldn't cover anybody. They forced Brady into three mistakes. That's rare that you have Tom Brady making A, mistakes, and B, making three of them. I've emphasized that a lot. Because trust me, I had to deal with Tom Brady for a long time. I know what it's like to try and force that guy into mistakes. It usually doesn't work out in your favor. They're going to blame the refs. The refs blew it at the end. Well, A, that was obvious, either pass interference or holding. Either way, the game is over. Kevin King was a piece of burnt toast that game. 
And secondly, the refs were letting a lot go that game, which I liked. A lot of hand fighting, a lot of scrapping between the receivers and the corners, and the refs let it go a lot, and I liked that. Until it was blatantly obvious, which Kevin King's holding slash pass interference, whatever one you want to call it, it could have been both. Either or. Say all you want. That was pass interference. The flag was hella late, I will say that. But that was P.I. If it ain't the refs. Oh, oh, the coaching. Terrible play calling by Mike LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. 26-6. and six. Matt LaFleur is all of a sudden a bum now. I am by no means agreeing with the call. To kick a field goal on fourth down when you really need a touchdown. But Matt LaFleur is not to blame for having three drives after Tom Brady mistakes going punt, punt, field goal. Aaron Rodgers, he's a very, very good player. But I like what bolstered up sports in a conversation, not off this episode, but off the air that we had after we were done recording. We talked about it. Aaron Rodgers doesn't make a ton of stat sheet mistakes. He makes mistakes that are off the stat sheet. Locking in on Devontae Adams. Forcing it to him. Trying to make something happen with Devontae Adams, which is not a bad idea. I mean, Devontae Adams is the top three receiver in the NFL. Maybe you can make an argument for the best. And Rodgers is almost passive-aggressive sometimes. You can't possibly blame getting set up well by your defense after forcing Brady to throw three picks and then going punt, punt, field goal on anybody else but Aaron Rodgers. And as we sit here, as you're listening to this episode of the Robson Sportscast, Tom Brady has as many NFC Championship titles as Aaron Rodgers. How many years has Aaron Rodgers been in Green Bay? How many opportunities has he had in an NFC Championship game? And how many times has he blown it? Aside from that one year where he actually didn't have a good game. Look at the stats. Aaron Rodgers chokes in the NFC Championship game. And the ones he has been in, he has been bad. Aside from this game, which he still lost because he could not convert on three Brady mistakes and went punt, punt, field goal. Again, I am not negating the other stuff that went into it. They should have gone forward on fourth down instead of went for a field goal. The defense did not play well.
But when do the excuses for Aaron Rodgers stop? I want to talk about Tom Brady lovers. At least they've got a reason. He's the GOAT. This dude's been doing it for over two decades. He's playing in his 10th Super Bowl. They have evidence to back up he's the greatest of all time. With Rodgers, it's a bunch of what-ifs. And primarily the question is, what if he was just a little bit better in the NFC title game? Those guys, same guys that argue Rodgers the GOAT says, oh, well, well, they don't surround him with talent. They've made one bad pick in Jordan Love, and all of a sudden they can't draft talent? All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers has never had weapons outside of Devontae Adams, Greg Jennings, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. He's had the help. Let's just face it. Aaron Rodgers sometimes just when it comes to the highest pressure situations. And Rogers folds. So much of being the greatest of all time, like people argue Rogers is, how do you handle the pressure? People are arguing that Patrick Mahomes could be a future GOAT. He's making pretty damn good progress, I will say that. Been phenomenal every year in the NFL, already a Super Bowl champion, already an MVP, and he could be ready to end the old guard against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. If he beats Tom Brady, we could be talking something crazy here. That's for next week. Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal player. I have been blessed to be able to watch him throughout my fandom of football. Much like I have been with Brady, tail end to Peyton Manning. Blessed to have Patrick Mahomes as my generational quarterback. But at this point, it's nauseating. Hearing all the defenses for Aaron Rodgers when they're not valid. Rodgers has had the tools in the work shed. But he just can't put it together when it matters most in the NFC Championship game. And like he's been short of opportunities. He's been there a couple times. And he won one of them. And like I said, As you listen to this episode, Tom Brady has the same number of NFC Championship trophies as Aaron Rodgers. Let that sink in for a second. Let it sink in for a second.
Brady has spent his entire career dominating in New England. Comes to Tampa Bay, and in his first year has already tied Aaron Rodgers in NFC titles. At some point, the excuses have to stop. I think that time is now. It sounds like Aaron Rodgers wants a commitment from the Packers. We very well could have seen the last snap ever taken in a Green Bay uniform by Aaron Rodgers. And if that is so, it may be one of the biggest what-if careers ever. What if he just knew how to show up when it mattered most? Let's move on to our next topic. Some breaking news out of Texas. The Houston Texans are hiring David Culley as their next head coach. He was an assistant head coach, passing game coordinator, and wide receiver coach in Baltimore. My first reaction was, who? Because I had to read up on who the hell this guy is. I never heard of him. So I was not expecting this signing. Um, I'd give it a C- minus if I were to grade it because you pretty much now certainly lost to Sean Watson because your last hope of him staying around was Eric Bieniemy, and you didn't sign him. But this did sprout an idea, an idea that I'm going to have a lot of fun with. So when the news came out, I decided to make a segment on the fly for the last one of this episode. So I went through and graded all the recent head coaching signings, and I'm going to present them to you. I already presented one, a C minus for this guy that. I didn't even know the name of until I had to look them up. (laughs) But the rest of the names should be more recognizable. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. We are grading the head coaching hires from the 2021 coaching carousel. We'll start off in Jacksonville with the Jaguars signing Urban Meyer, the former Florida Gators and Ohio State Buckeye head coach. So this was pretty much a signing that was written in the stars. Shad Khan really wanted this to happen. They were meeting on his private boat. So I feel like I knew this was going to happen. I felt like Urban was going to come into the NFL honestly a lot sooner. But I guess health issues kind of get in the way of that. But Urban Meyer is a very interesting hire. He has some great and he has some questionable. The great side is this guy's a winner. 65-15 record at the University of Florida. Two national championships at another one at Ohio State. He has been known to revamp. Florida Gators were down bad when he got there, and in a couple years, they had him winning crystal footballs. So this guy is going to come in and revamp a dying fan base and a wounded locker room. That is what, this is the shot of adrenaline the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise needs. And the fact that he comes into a situation where the Jags have a ton of cap space and we'll have the first overall pick which will be Trevor Lawrence a generational talent that raises his floor the worst he could be way up 
but he's not a slam dunk. He's got some issues. The most notable one is zero NFL coaching experience. I think that's the obvious one. But the other ones, he's had several health-related issues, both at Ohio State and Florida. That's why he stepped down from both jobs. And both at Florida and Ohio State, there's some controversy that he let some criminal activity go. Still waiting for an ESPN 30 for 30 on that 2008 Florida football team where I think they had like a hundred, I don't remember how many number were on the roster, but I think 41 of them have been arrested before, which is insane. But they needed a big upside swing here that the Jacksonville Jaguars needed. And that is what Urban Meyer brings. If this swing is a home run, Jacksonville may just change how this franchise is looked at for a long, long time. So I give this one a B. I think a B is a fair grade because there's some uncertainties with just Urban Meyer coming from college, taking a long break from college, and coming to the NFL. We'll have to see how he performs. Next up is Dan Campbell. He was the tight end coach for the New Orleans Saints from 2016 to 2020. It's a little bit of a surprise to me. The line struck out on Robert Sala and Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, of course, the head coach at Michigan. He signed with an extension with them. And Robert Sala, of course, going to my New York Jets. We'll talk about him here in a little bit. So this wasn't necessarily a big talked about hire. But Dan Campbell was the interim head coach in 2015 for the Miami Dolphins, leading to a 5-7 record after they started 1-4. The biggest thing that he has done is he has earned the respective players over the years. He actually has played in Detroit. He had a 10-year NFL career, and he played three seasons there, catching 23 passes with the Lions. So if anyone in this coaching carousel understands that the culture needs to change in Detroit, it is Dan Campbell. And his coaching philosophy, from what I've read about him, is very resemblant of the great Bill Parcells. He uses the quarterback to make smart decisions with a dominant defense and a team that works as hard as he coaches. What I gathered from that is basically the exact opposite of Matt Patricia, their former head coach. A guy who will command the locker room and get the players to work hard every single freaking day. That can make up for some talent deficiency if you work your ass off. But in Detroit... This is going to be a tough job. They're coming into possibly the worst franchise in NFL history. And your task is to turn them into a consistent winner. I wish you the best of luck with that, Mr. Dan Campbell. I'm going to give that hiring a B. Next up, the LA Charger with Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator for the LA Rams in 2020. If you want to talk about a guy that came out of freaking nowhere, look no further. Five years ago, this guy was coaching Division Three football. He's 38 now and has just four total seasons of NFL coaching experience. He succeeded Wade Phillips as DC in LA in 2020. He's been an outside linebacker coach primarily. I'm not totally buying in on this guy. Look at the pieces he's got on that LA defense. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, 
this is just probably the most well-rounded defense in the NFL right now. And really what I felt like the Chargers need, and now that they've got their franchise guy and Justin Herbert, was the offensive mind for Brian DeBall, the head coach, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, the offensive mind to help gel it all together for Herbert and you sign a defensive coach. <laughs> LA Chargers, just doing LA Charger things. I give this one a C. Next up, Robert Sala of the New York Jets. You want to talk about complete 180, what you had before? You went from the guy that can blend in with the grass blades he was standing on and Adam Gase to the most expressive individual I have ever seen in Robert Sala. Now, of course, I know a little bit more about Robert Sala than I did before because now he is my head coach. At first, I was uncertain of Robert Sala because of the situation he was coming into and he has a lot of good pieces in San Fran. But watching how this guy coaches, man. He gets fired up. Like he gets he gets going a little bit, man. Screaming where you can see the veins popping out of his neck and stuff. Like I'm like, dude, calm down, you're gonna pop a blood vessel. That's the last thing I need you to do right now. You're my coach now. But what he said in his press conference with the Jets really stuck with me. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no brakes. And the fact that this was the place he wanted to go. He said, he. I read somewhere, read a report that he told his wife, because he was going to go interview for the Philadelphia Eagles job after he was done with the Jets. He texted his wife saying, if they give me the call, we are moving to New York. He wanted this job. The job no one else wanted. He wanted. And the thing is, he's going to come in and be a head coach, not a defensive mind or offensive mind. He said it himself. He is coming in to be the head coach. And I think players are, the Jets are going to buy in to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala being at the forefront of this organization. I give this hiring an A. Call me bias all you want, but I think this could be finally the head coach that can turn things around in New York. Arthur Smith, former Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. If they end up keeping Matt Ryan or looking to get the most out of him, they can with a little bit of career he's got left. Arthur Smith hires a home run. Arthur Smith is the architect of a revamped Tennessee offense led by a Failed quarterback by Adam Gase, ironically. A failed quarterback in Miami in Ryan Tannehill. Since Ryan Tannehill became the starting quarterback in Week 7 of the 2019 season, he was first in yards per attempt, third in touchdowns, and third in passer rating among all NFL quarterbacks. And who can forget Derrick Henry? Over the past two seasons... 3,567 rushing yards over two seasons. Second on the list is Dalvin Cook. He's got nearly a thousand less. In 2020, the Titans 
were tied for second in total yards per game and fourth in points per game. Now, the only issue I have with the signing is sometimes that offense was one dimension. Derrick Henry. I think this showed perfectly in the Baltimore game in the playoffs. Derrick Henry was neutralized by that offense, by that defense of the Ravens. And Tannehill didn't show up. That offense did not look ready for Derrick Henry getting shut down that day. They did not look ready for that. So that's where some of the concern is for me and Arthur Smith. And also, he's a little bit kind of of a quiet guy. So, I think this should be a good hire. I gave it a B plus. But we shall see. We shall see. Next up, the Eagles hiring Nick Sarani, the offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. They didn't pivot for the big name in Josh McDaniels, which was a big rumor. I heard when they were looking for a head coach after Doug Peterson was fired. And they go with a guy that really wasn't on anybody's radar. Sarani is really lacking an it factor in his resume. He's never called plays and never proven to be a quarterback guru. And of course, he's never been a head coach before. Which means Howie Roseman is still in charge of this thing. Which, as of recent, has been a terrible thing to happen to this organization. But there's a lot of promise in this one. Which is why I gave it a B plus. He's young and ascending. He was handpicked by Frank Wright, a respected leader with Eagle Ties, offensive coordinator, when Carson Wentz was had his almost MVP season and they won the Super Bowl. You could do a lot worse than this. Josh McDaniels probably was a lot worse. So, in a weird way, the guy with the slimmest resume, I like. I gave it a B plus. And those are my grades for the 2021 head coaching carousel. Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Woo! What an episode, man. It was a lot of fun recording with Bolstered Up Sports, Brian Bolster. Big thanks to him again for coming on the show. Definitely look forward to jumping on his show eventually and having him back. And next week's going to be even crazier, man. Super Bowl Sunday. That's going to be absolutely insane, y'all. I can't wait for it. But that's next week. Y'all going to have to be patient with that one. Get ready because it's going to be a fun episode to watch. Or listen to, actually. (laughs) But anyway... Let's get out of here. This is RC Productions. With the dope beat. This show is Alex Robson.